What's up, everybody? It's episode number 101 of the SoCo Show. This is the co-host, Cody Michael, and I'm joined, as always, by the SoHo's Seth Ott. 101! 101, indeed. <laughs> uh, we, uh, first of all, want to say thank you to all the folks that uh, reached out with well wishes and uh, and watched and, and commented and things on uh, our 100th episode. Uh, it was a very fun one to do. It was not a fun one to edit, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> It was very long, but uh, it was a blast. And, and again, just want to echo our thoughts from last week that uh, we appreciate all you guys listening. So uh, if anybody is new, uh, this will be a more typical episode. No special guests or anything like that. But we do want to thank, uh, thank our friend at Jared Buckendall for coming on last week. But uh, back to business as usual this week. We got business. Business. You the said business. Ass. Yeah. Ah! Ah! Uh-oh. I don't know what's happening, but I can't wait to find out. We're going to have to put a pause. I spilled some shit. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) BRB. Oh, God. All right. Well, after a brief pause for Seth to clean his shit up, (laughs) um, (laughs) hopefully this podcast is more neat than than you are right now, but um, we're excited to be bringing you 101. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today, uh, but... And I always hesitate before I say this. Uh, you said you had something you wanted to open with. <laughs> well, other than I just fucking made a giant mess. Um, I uh, So last, last night I had the honor of attending a diaper party uh, for one guest of the show, friend of the show, uh, probably the show's number one fan. Maybe a, a battle with, with Dan, potentially, but a uh, diaper party for Mike V. Uh, he's having a child very soon. Uh, the first <sighs> show co- well, one, actually, I don't know if it'll be the first SoCo child, but well, it, it'll be a race. It won't but, be the last. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I had, had had the honor of attending that, and of course, drinks were had, and and it was it was a it was a wonderful time. Uh, we all wore a diaper and, and drank until we peed, and uh, Mike won. So that's the story <laughs> that no. Um, so by the end of the night, it was, it was winding down. A bunch of people had left, and it was just Mike and and a couple other friends hanging out. And uh, we see out in Mike's garage a, a pretty big fucking spider. <laughs> and, oh, Jesus Christ. And, and by big, I would say it was probably a solid three or so inches long, um, if you count legs and all that. And so nice. Mike... <laughs> and so Mike, uh, much like you, Sir Cody, are uh, afraid of spiders. Not a mm-hmm. big fan of them. You're, I would say you're definitely more afraid than he is. Uh, just by the reaction and what he did, um, but it's still it's still a fear. So Mike, in in a uh, state of uh, liquid courage, decides to uh, kill this spider, and he does so by taking like uh, uh, looks like basically like a bolt cutter type thing or like a, a leaf trimmer. I don't remember exactly what it was, and I'm sure I'll get uh, chastised for not knowing what this manly tool was. You're not but, even a man. <laughs> but Mike in in this in this liquid uh powered liquid courage uh powered state takes this and smashes smashes the spider. And he was very excited about this in in the first moment. He goes, "Yeah." He's kind of, he like Ugh! he does one of those noises when he hits it. But in a turn uh that I that happens so quick, I don't think anyone's ever reacted this quickly in history. His his <laughs> His feeling of power and excitement and fear-conquering maneuver went 
<laughs> swiftly into a, into a feeling of sheer terror when that spider exploded and hundreds of tiny spiders came out oh, of it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, and he went from, uh, to the quickest switch in sound ever of, it, of a, uh, <laughs> it was like, uh, <laughs> It was the most amazing thing. And, and and I like it took me a second to register this because I was I was like a f- two foot away, foot and a half away from the spiders. The spider and then subsequently spiders. And so when this all happened, I had never seen anything like this happen before. So I'm just standing there like staring with my mouth open, like, what? That's possible? This is insane. <laughs> And then I then I realized that I forgot Mike was afraid of spiders, so I replayed this in my head and was like, holy shit, that was amazing. <laughs> because of how quick his, his his triumph went to fear. It was so fast, and it made me laugh so hard. That is um, the most horrifying thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, that's why I don't fuck with spiders. <laughs> You never know. Those dishonest motherfuckers never, they never reveal how many of them there are. Uh, that is horrifying. I'm so glad that I was not there for that. What did he do? Did you guys have to wrangle up and murder all the babies or what happened? Or are they just on the loose now? Well, he goes <laughs> after, after he hit it and this happened and he screamed. <laughs> he then went, Seth, get him. <laughs> and again, I was still just like a state of like, what is happening? So then he took like a rag. And started like he dropped dropped a, a rag on top of all the babies and started stomping them. But there was so many, like there's no way you're catching them all. So there's definitely a family. Like he he pulled up the Holocaust of of spiders, but he didn't get them all. So a few of them escaped. <laughs> so there is some. There's a Batman spider that is waiting for yeah. the day it can avenge his his parents' death by biting Mike in his sleep. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I could definitely see that happening. That is absolutely was, my worst fear, and I'm so glad I wasn't there for it, uh, because I would have passed out. It was insane, just like how they all came, just all they all came out at once, and there was so it was like a firework of spiders. Uh, this this I'm sure was an entertaining uh, moment for you. Can you even fucking imagine? Because I can't. <laughs> if I had been there, <laughs> I I said afterwards, like I wish so badly Cody was here. I'm so glad. I've never wanted less to be in a place <laughs> than I do. <laughs> and I was, I wanted to be there. It was a big moment and we're all, we're friends and a lot of our friends were there and I wished I had been there. Not anymore. I'm, I'm <laughs> now I'm glad that I missed this pivotal moment in our friend's life because I didn't have to fucking, I would have, I would have every piece of every bodily fluid would have came out of me at the same time and I would have fallen asleep and it would have, it would have been nasty. That's, that's what I said. Someone, because I said I wish I wish you were here, and a friend said, "What? What do you think he would have done?" And I legitimately said he would have thrown up, then killed himself. <laughs> that is the most accurate thing you've ever said. <laughs> oh my god! Keep the spiders away from me. I don't want that shit at all. Uh. Now, now I got the heebs. Sorry. Did I tell you I did I tell you I killed my first spider since I've lived here? No, you didn't. Yeah, I. Uh, so for those who don't know, uh, when we lived together, Seth would kill the spiders because he's not afraid of them, and I very much am. And so 
uh, I'm I'm going to this this was fucked up. And this is why I hate spiders. They get you when you're vulnerable is what they do. <laughs> I had woken up in the morning. I go into the bathroom and I am in the middle of taking a piss. And I, I'm, you know, stream is happening. Very strong masculine stream is happening. And all of a sudden, this little quarter sized <laughs> motherfucker comes climbing up out of my toilet. I don't know how he got in the toilet because I keep my lid closed. But if he came from the fucking depths of hell out of that toilet uh, drain, <laughs> that must have been because he crawls up out of it. Now I see this and I immediately start trying to back away from the toilet, but I'm still pissing. <laughs> so I'm like trying to aim my shit up in the air so that I have the trajectory to still get it in the toilet while being as far away from it as possible. <laughs> and then I kind of waddled toward the toilet as the stream weakened and finished and then uh, zipped it up and went and got a book and, and killed, that, killed that spider. Luckily, nothing exploded off the sides of it, or I would have, you would have, this would be a story about arson uh, if that had happened. <laughs> but uh, yeah, very horrifying, fucked up my entire day. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's I, I don't fuck with spiders either. And that's why Mike V is a sponsor, because he also understands the truth about spiders. So... We need as many people helping the show out as we can that, that understand that truth. Well, there won't be any spiders on this show. Uh, I can fucking promise you that. So uh, let's jump into it. We got a lot to talk about, but we're going to start like we always do with Sheik Tweets. I call you a punk. So this, this tweet actually is probably what Sheik would have said last night when the spiders were uh, going all over the place. He would have just said, there's nothing to see here, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> and then he would have made all those spiders humble. <laughs> Actually, I think, I, I bet Sheik, I bet Sheik lo- gets down with some spiders. I bet he likes spiders. And uh, that everyone who doesn't like spiders are pussies and they should go fuck themselves. Well, that's quite all right with me, Sheik. Uh, <laughs> I'm willing to wear the the uh, the moniker of pussy and I will go fuck myself because you can have all the spiders you want, cheeky baby. That's what I say. <laughs> Nothing to see here this week in Chic Tweets. I call you a punk. Sponsor time. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get your first 30 days and your first book for free. Free. Booyah. Mathis Designs, Etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Cha-ching! And of course, the spider killer, Mike's Wood, Etsy.com slash shop slash corn fed and wed to get your wood worked. That's that's the sound. That's the last sound that spider made as it was releasing all of its children into the world. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's That's horrifying. Uh, I don't even want to think about the spiders any longer, so we're going to roll on forward, and we're going to start with a little bit of TV news. That's what she said. TV. So, Seth, this podcast will release on America's birthday, July 4th, uh, and it's a, a big day for TV fans, specifically those who have Netflix, because season three of Stranger Things is being dropped on Netflix uh, today as of the release of this podcast. And this is a show that you and I are both fans of and we have enjoyed. And I know you're highly anticipating uh, season three as well. And I think the the crazy thing about Stranger Things is that the hype that has showed up uh, for season two and now for season three on the show, uh, you've got the young cast kind of growing up. We've waited almost two years 
for uh, for season three. What's your level of anticipation for for the uh, the next step in the Stranger Things story? Oh yeah, I mean I'm definitely excited for it. I think uh, it's it's definitely reached a level of uh, popularity that uh, kind of you know it does it's it's one of those one of the shows that it's it's reached the kind of like the mainstream culture that you don't see a lot of shows reach um mm-hmm. you know like right now they're they're releasing like the new coke that came out in the 80s in honor of stranger things um they're doing a lot of promotion through different uh commercials and online things uh you know it's it's been uh all over the internet people talking about it with with anti- their anticipation as well i'm excited for it um i kind of got on late with the stranger things but i did watch season two right when it came out season one it was a little bit later on but i'm excited to see what season three does uh season two kind of dropped <clears throat> for me in quality a little bit but uh season three the reviews sound good and i'm excited for they're changing up a little bit of the time of the year but it is cool to see the the how it how it's penetrated the mainstream world too because there's a lot of netflix shows and other you know streaming shows out there but this one seems to have done it in a way that not a lot of other shows have well yeah and i think a lot of that is kind of the 80s nostalgia the coming of age uh, genre is always a popular one and and it's got enough of a sci-fi element that it, it really has it's caught on with the zeitgeist in a big way and in a year where we are wrapping up game of thrones and orange is the new black and big bang theory and some other things as well uh, Stranger Things is right up there with kind of the most popular things running right now. And uh, it's kind of interesting to see that because, you know, you think about the the big uh, phenomenon shows uh, of which I think Stranger Things is, uh, is one of those. And, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of show to be this major popular one. And so I think it's kind of evidence of the fact that you know, the uh, the times they are a change in, so to speak, uh, in terms of TV shows. What do you think this... So Stranger Things is right up there with the most popular shit going right now. Uh, what do, you, do you think that speaks to sort of the, the wider culture and what people are looking for in TV? Or are we just waiting on the next show uh, about mobsters to come out so we can effectively <laughs> be obsessed with something new? I don't really... I was thinking about this. I don't really know what makes a phenomenon in terms of a TV show. Uh, because for the last, you know, five, six years now, it's been Game of Thrones. That's been the thing that everyone talks about and is excited about on a weekly basis. And, you know, prior to that, we had uh, Breaking Bad was, was that for a while, and Sopranos years ago, Friends. But Stranger Things doesn't really fit into, you know, really any any box. And I don't know if maybe it's the nostalgia that does it or what, but I don't know exactly what makes Stranger Things kind of that type of phenomenon but it's still not quite reached the level of some of these other shows i think it'll be one of those like maybe it does fill the role but at the same time too you know it's 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 the streaming thing that i think is kind of holds it back because everyone watches it all at once Mm -hmm. and then when they're done watching it they're they're done for another year whereas like game of thrones and all these other shows i mentioned prior or a week-to-week thing and i think that's what keeps the phenomenon up it's the it's the uh oh the 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 Basically, it's the the continuous storyline that you have to have that break in there, and I can't remember. There, there's a term for it when it when it's uh, like required viewing week to week. I can't remember. Uh, appointment television. There we go. Mm. Appointment television. Because you have that when it's appointment television, you have everyone's watching it right in that moment, and that's kind of come back with like Game of Thrones. Because if you didn't watch it right then, you're gonna get spoiled on Twitter. You know, so 
Uh, I think that's kind of something like where it's the appointment type television is what is going to be needed to have that same type of phenomenon status like a Game of Thrones. But Stranger Things, I think, is close to that. Uh, it's just it has the issue of being streaming. Yeah, it's interesting with the the fact that it's streaming because I think what Netflix has um, really capitalized on with, with like um, Murder Mystery and, and some of the other things that recently have come out to such huge... Uh, streaming numbers is accessibility is a big part of this. I think a big part of why Stranger Things is so uh, huge is that everyone can watch it at any time, you know, and so maybe it's not appointment television, but everyone can, can, can uh, binge it and everyone has to binge it because it's, because it's part of the zeitgeist. You don't want to get spoilers. So you have to watch it quickly. Mm -hmm. And so it's an interesting kind of, I think a shift in the paradigm where, you know, you're always going to have your, your weekly episodes where, you know, you're on the water cooler on Monday. Uh, but this is a different kind of show, one that is, is you have to binge it. You know, it's, it's up there with kind of the, the House of Cards is in the, the Orange is the New Blacks of the world and some of the other things that specifically Netflix has put out. Um, do you, I guess, what would be your preference between, okay, every week I get to get excited again for a new episode or I get to choose to watch it all at once if I want to. Do you do you prefer the old school way of waiting between, or or do you like the accessibility of being able to binge? I still like the week to week. I'm a fan of of uh, kind of that continuous like that 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 barrier there where you can't you know just keep going and that you have that that creates the anticipation for it. You know, it's like the build up, and mm-hmm. I think that's fun when you do watch something like that. Uh, Walking Dead kind of used to be that for a little while, where like. You know, I, I when when it was really popular, I, there was multiple people I worked with who watched it, and week to week we would discuss it, and and then be like, oh, where's it going? Where do you think the finale is going to be? And then the finale happens, and you're like, oh my god, what's going to happen next season? You know, like all that stuff. You you have a built-in conversation around it week to week. Um, not that I don't like Stranger Things, I love Stranger Things, but it's it has a different feeling to it when when it's the appointment television versus the the overall binge and that's that's what i think is is going to be there's a hole to fill there is that that week to week discussion and that's what game of thrones did and and so I, it'll be interesting to see what does fill that hole uh nice so <laughs> I, I i don't know it's 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 going to it's i it's an interesting time because there was a little bit of overlap with with like Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, there's always something kind of in the mix there that that was really building fan base. And I don't really see much right now that like this in terms of week to week television, like Stranger Things could do that. But again, I think it has that barrier barrier of not having the week to week. It'll be interesting to see like maybe this is us could do it. But I, I don't know. That seemed to fall off a little bit. Um, I, and even with Stranger Things, too, I think that has a has a lifespan to it that's not going to last much longer. Because it is based around these kids, and once they get older and kind of out of school and all that stuff, do they, you know, is, is it is still compelling? Or honestly, maybe even this season's the last one where people are still compelled by it. You know, they've. Mm-hmm. It seems like they they this this whole idea doesn't have quite a stretch to it. It doesn't have something that that would be satisfying to stretch out. Whereas like something like a This Is Us uh, does kind of have that to it. It's just it's just life that you can tell different stories about. So I don't know. I I'm really interested to see what next captures the overall public's uh, attention and and uh, what becomes that next big phenomenon at that point. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting year in that way because it does seem like there's a void to be filled. Um, let's talk about Netflix specifically. I think it. 
I think it's safe to say that, that Stranger Things is certainly one of the flagship shows of Netflix, and every streaming service does seem to have its own flagship show. Uh, Amazon has Mrs. Maisel, um, Hulu has Handmaid's Tale, and for Netflix, you know, House of Cards and, um, and Orange is the New Black for a long time were those flagship shows, and they are now ending. Uh, is Stranger Things that top Netflix show for you, or is there anything else that, that is worthy of kind of that spot uh, for, for Netflix specifically? Oh, you know what it is. BoJack Horseman. Oh, Jesus Christ. Here we Hell go. yeah. That's the flagship show. Come on now. Uh, no, <laughs> Stranger Things is definitely that right now, uh, the, the brand name show. Uh, and it probably has been really, you know, since even last season. It's probably, it was that popular where season one happened and everyone wanted more and more and more. And, you know, it's really, I mean, Orange is the New Black has kind of fallen off because it's taken, you know, how many seasons now and, uh, Netflix did do a good job of creating the anticipation because it's been a, a been a you know year and a half break since the last season. So um, that's that's been good. I'm glad they've done that. But yeah, I think I think Stranger Things has it for right now. But Netflix is we've talked about before. They're always creating new new stuff, and they're always trying to find something that that sticks. And you know they got lucky with Stranger Things. Stranger Things is one of those one of those shows. And I think there's probably other shows they have in development right now that'll eventually get there. But it's uh, it's an interesting time too, and we've talked about it, so I don't want to go too in depth with it, uh, about it. But we, you know, we do have uh, Disney coming up, and they have already a few shows that could be some flagship stuff. And uh, you mentioned the other mentioned the other streaming services have those flagship shows. Amazon is developing new shows, and they got Maisel coming out again soon. So, yeah, they're, they're each one has their flagship thing, but I think Netflix is the king uh, of that right now with with the number of shows they have, shows ending, shows coming back, and then you know, again, Stranger Things is kind of the phenomenon. Yeah, so some of these shows, uh, and specifically I think this will take place on the Disney app, uh, are, they're streaming, but they will release on a timed release. You'll you'll mm-hmm. get it every week. Um, would you prefer to see Netflix go kind of that route? They do it already with some of their shows, but with mm-hmm. with these, these dramas, they don't really make a habit of it. Uh, is that a step that you would like to see from Netflix? Personally, yes, but I, you know, I don't see it happening because people do like to binge, and mm-hmm. I like to binge older stuff if I'm trying to catch up on something. But I, I again, I personally enjoy the the aspect of you know waiting. Um, Hulu does that with Handmaid's Tale as well. They they put out the first three or four episodes and then do weekly after that. So I, I do like that model. Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense, and we may see them go to that. Uh, Netflix is, and all the streaming services really are. They're in the business of prestige television now, and the the best way to capitalize it, I think, exactly is what you touched on. The anticipation on a week-to-week basis uh, continues to build, and then you get these huge numbers for season finales, which uh, is always really exciting to report. So uh, it's an interesting year for television, and, of course, we're going to kind of keep our eye on what all is coming out. And uh, I won't be surprised if we have a TV corner next week for Stranger Things because um, uh, I think that uh, it, it's going to go right at the top of my list when it comes out. Uh, and I'm sure for you as well. So um, if not next week, then probably the week after we'll be talking Stranger Things. But uh, <laughs> until then, uh, hit us in the comments or you know uh, on Twitter or Facebook, uh, wherever it is you want to talk to us. Let us know uh, what you think of Stranger Things. Is it the top Netflix show for you, or is there another one that, that kind of takes the cake? Uh, and what are the other, the other uh, phenomenon shows that are going on right now that we might be forgetting? Let us know. We are going to move from the world of TV into that of movies. And we're going to start by making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! 
Oh yeah, we didn't do it last week, but it's back <laughs> this week. We have a uh, we have a quote from a movie Seth has found. I need to figure out what movie it's in and who said it. All right, this one's kind of a long one, so I might not repeat it as much. All right, listen up, because I'm only going to say this once. Fear is a four-letter word, ladies. You want to go pee-pee in your big boy slacks? Keep it to yourself. It's make your mama's proud time. Huh, crap. Um, that is a tough one. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say dodgeball right away, but I don't think it's dodgeball. Is it dodgeball? <laughs> it is not dodgeball. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay, now I'm trying to go back and think of what quote we did last. Was it Justin Timberlake? Were we in Popstar? <laughs> no. Last time? Justin Timberlake no, was not the quote. Oh, it was Sarah Silverman in Popstar. Is it, uh, fuck. Ooh, I'm, I might be stumped. Uh, that's a, why can't I remember this? I know you've seen it. Okay, let me think of who's been in Popstar. Um. Well, no, Sarah Silverman was in Popstar. <laughs> Okay, so it's another Sarah Silverman movie. Sarah Silverman yeah, so, was in in this movie that, but it's she's not her. Yeah, she's the connector. Okay, so it's yeah. another movie in which Sarah Silverman acted, but she didn't necessarily say this quote. Right. Um. Okay, what else is Sarah Silverman in? Um. Oh, is this um, is this School of Rock? No. Ah, <laughs> oh, crap. We've um, already done School of Rock, I think, once. Is it Wreck It Ralph? Yes. <laughs> Okay, uh, so is it Jane Lynch in Wreck-It Ralph? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so she's the, uh, the Hal- it's Halo, right? Is what their hero's, hero's duty or whatever? Well, her, her character's name, I don't expect you to get this, Sergeant Calhoun. Okay, Sergeant Calhoun and Hero's Duty from, from Wreck-It Ralph. That's, ooh, that took me a bit, but we got there. <laughs> um, Wreck-It Ralph, certainly a, a favorite of the SoCo show, and of course of, of our, our sponsor, Mike, from Mike's Wood. Uh, he's a big <clears throat> Wreck-It Ralph fan. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Jane Lynch from uh, as Calhoun in Heroes Duty in uh, Wreck It Ralph is the is the quote. Uh, can you read it one more time? Oh no, I can't. <laughs> I just deleted it. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Well, he's not going to read it again. You can rewind <laughs> though. Hit the hit the backwards thirty seconds button on your podcast to hear it again. Uh, but that is the quote for this week's edition of Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! Ooh yeah, good stuff. Uh, let's keep it rolling, and we're going to jump into a couple pieces of news, a couple headlines from the world of movies. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. Seth, I want to start with this. Uh, your favorite actress of all time, it, it appears, is nearing uh, a, a, an iconic role uh, to be shot very soon. Uh, we've been talking about all these Disney live-action remakes, and it sounds like one of the next ones that is coming down the pike is The Little Mermaid. And so uh, the, the big news that came out this week is that Melissa McCarthy is in talks to portray Ursula, who is the big villain, uh, the sea witch, as it were, uh, from The Little Mermaid. And uh, I really want your thoughts on this, starting with this. Did you ever, have you seen The Little Mermaid ever? Mm-hmm. You have? Okay. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you enjoy it? Is it one of your, do you like it in terms of the Disney, uh, the Disney film catalog? Honestly, I don't remember much of it because I saw it when I was real little. Um, but I, as a kid, I guess I liked it. Yeah. It's got some good music, and um, it's got a horribly not feminist plot. I'll be interested to hear... <laughs> how that gets changed for the 2000 whatever update. Um, they did it but, for a while. Uh, 
They they managed they managed to get some feminism into Aladdin, so I'm hopeful that they'll do so for the Little Mermaid as well. Uh, Melissa McCarthy playing the villain. She's gonna have some singing to do. Uh, and as as uh, as Jared uh, tweeted, At Jared Buckendall on the Twitter, you can't fall down in the ocean. So <laughs> maybe maybe she's got a chance here to impress you. Are you open to her doing so uh, in this one? Yeah, I, I mean. I, I I like her as an actress when she's not in comedy, <laughs> you know, like when she's doing serious things, I, I do enjoy her work. And I think she has the ability to, to pull this off and play, a you know, a menacing character such as Ursula. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm open to it. Um, if she does fall down, then, yeah, that that's that's where it becomes like if, if her husband writes The Little Mermaid, then I'm totally out. Mm-hmm. But because he's the one who uh, traditionally writes all, a lot of her comedy, especially like the ones that are really bad. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm open to it. I I'm not necessarily excited for this movie at all because I don't really care that much. But uh, I I'm open to her playing something that's you know not a, a 40 year old mother who falls down a lot. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I'm gonna uh, I'm pulling up an article here. See if I can get a little more detail around this. All right, it looks like this one's gonna be directed by Rob Marshall, who most recently did uh, Mary Poppins Returns. I know a film that, that you were a fan of, so he's he's sticking in the Disney realm, and there's gonna be music uh, written for this one by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is a, uh, a tough get these days after the success of Hamilton, of course. So this sounds to me like an attractive project, and I'm, I'm also excited to see uh, Melissa McCarthy in it, uh, as long as Paul Feig is not involved. Keep him far, far away. <laughs> Well, normally it's not even Paul Feig. It's it. Her husband is uh, what the fuck's his name? I don't know. But it's it's because he like Paul Feig hasn't even directed her that much. It's mostly just her husband who who writes Ben something Ben. Oh, ben you're right. Moron. It's yeah. It's um, I was thinking that it was it was uh, Paul Feig who was her husband, but it's not. You're right. No. Her husband's name is um. It's like Ben. Ben Falcone. Ben, ben Falcone. There we go. You know what? I just looked this guy up, and I didn't realize this. I've seen him act in a bunch of stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Google Google Ben Falcone. You're gonna see. You're gonna recognize him. I, I can't tell you from what. Let me see if I can find his. He was on some episodes of New Girl. I think that's what I'm recognizing him from. Ah, uh, Nude Girl. Yep. Love those. <laughs> so we will see about uh, the Little Mermaid. That could. And we'll we'll of course uh, keep you up to date with the uh, the rest of the casting news. That's going to be, I think, a big. The uh, the role of Ariel, I think it's Ariel, uh, which is Ariola. the lead, which is going to be a uh, an attractive redhead, which is going to be uh, real exciting for me. Emma Stone, so, <laughs> and maybe it is Emma Stone. I don't know, um, but we will we'll be keeping an eye on that production. Of course, Disney continuing with the theme of uh, redoing all the shit it's already done in hopes of getting a billion dollars from us. What is next? Uh, what else can they do? Um, have they done I know Pinocchio? Mulan's coming. I think Pinocchio is one that's, that, and I've heard that uh, Robert Downey Jr. was in talks. This was a while ago for Geppetto. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if that ends up happening. What was the one you just said? Uh, I know they're doing Mulan. That's coming up. Mulan um, should actually be dope. That's one I'm really excited for. Pocahontas, but that seems like I, that could be pol- in, not very politically correct. Hunchback of Notre Dame, <laughs> another problem. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What else could they, because they're doing Lady and the Tramp. That's coming out. Bambi? Oh, that'd be fun. Do Bambi. Bambi. Oh, my God. Oh, that'd be so savage. Awesome. Do it. <laughs> They're gonna do it. You know they will. Oh, hell yeah. And I want to see, I want to see, like, fucking shot and everything. I want to see Bambi's mom go down. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, let us know on, on Facebook or on Twitter 
what adorable animated creatures do you want to see murdered in live action? <laughs> Uh, let's keep it in the realm of, uh, of Disney here. And uh, this last week saw the release of the extended cut of Avengers Endgame, which is not really an extended cut at all. Um, the uh, articles that I have read online uh, have pointed to some additional um, Spider-Man teaser footage, some um, a Hulk scene, a scene featuring, uh, featuring the Hulk, that was not in the the actual cut of the movie, and then a Stan Lee uh, sort of tribute uh, that they shot as well. So it doesn't sound like there's really any new content like within the movie itself. It all mm-hmm. is just kind of tacked on to the end. So knowing what you know about what the additional footage is, are you going to go see Avengers again? No, I, I had an opportunity to go earlier this week, but then I did read like it's Spider-Man footage that I'll see in you know two days, and uh, it's yeah, like the the tribute's cool, but that'll be on beyond the the dvd and which they announced comes out like uh the digital is july 31st and like august then beginning of august is the blu-ray so i'll be getting it on blu-ray in uh, you know about a month so you'll see that i don't really care to see the hulk scene and you know it just it's three hours i don't need i didn't need to go again i've already seen it three times so Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, for what extra footage they said, I was I was hoping if they were going to release extra footage, it might it might be you know three big scenes that they just decided to cut or something that you could only see in this extended run or whatever. But you know all that doesn't sound worth going again at all. So yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I still have only seen it the one time, so I'll, I'll probably catch it the next time uh, on home video. Um, not uh, not a ton of people are going to see this extended cut, but it is uh, it is getting some folks involved. Uh, it made five point five million in North America, and then another two to three million overseas. So it is still plugging along, um, and it is still not quite to the level of Avatar yet. Um, they're about it's about twenty seven million short. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yep. I'm reading that too here on Forbes. So uh, 27 million is the the deficit. Uh, so in, in a few weeks at this pace, you know, take another five, six weeks. Uh, they may need to re-release later on, though, to get over that hump. I know that's a big goal of theirs. So uh, the Avengers Endgame project, uh, at least in the theaters, is nearing its end. And we'll see whether or not it reaches that top movie ever status. But um, the extended cut is getting some more people involved. I will not be going to the extended cut. Um, I don't need to see the extended Spider-Man footage because, as you said, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is already released as of uh, the dropping of this podcast. You and I haven't seen it yet, but I'm very excited to get to it in the next couple of days. Uh, good reviews have come out so far for Spider-Man. Uh, I've heard that it is uh, it is a charming charming movie. It pulls back from the seriousness of, uh, of Endgame a little bit and, and is, a, is a fun ride for Spidey fans. And also that uh, it's got a lot to tee up and a lot to tease in terms of the phase four of the MCU. So uh, I'm, I'm as stoked as I've ever been for, for Spider-Man, and I'm excited to see Gyllenhaal in the Mysterio role, one of my uh, favorite roles from, or favorite villains from the Spider-Man universe. So um, pretty stoked to, uh, to see Spider-Man Far From Home, and we'll, of course, be reviewing that one next week. Before we leave the MCU, I do want to get your opinion on this, this story, Seth, that uh, I've been hearing over the last couple weeks. It has been uh, reported that for uh, apparently a long time, 
the MCU and Kevin Feige have been in touch with Keanu Reeves and have been trying to get him into the fold and acting in an MCU film. Uh, it sounds like they may do that, but they haven't find, found the right character uh, for him to play yet. And so uh, as, as you know, one of Keanu's biggest fans, of course, off the strength of the John Wick films, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, on what Keanu might bring to the MCU, whether or not you're excited for it, and who's maybe a character that you'd like to see him play. I think we already know the character that he's playing, that he should be in the MCU. It's fucking John Wick. John Wick is a superhero. He, I mean, he's fucking more useful than Hawkeye and 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 Black Widow. So and, and he he's he's definitely taking down more enemies than them. And uh, you know, he's got the the strength of love behind him for the love of his dog and wife. That that can never be that can never be be uh, extinguished that that power you know so uh, that's how Harry Potter defeated Voldemort as well so come on John Wick is a, he's a hero he's a he is a superhero he's a mega hero he loves movies <laughs> uh, Keanu would be dope Keanu I think could have or specifically the John Wick character probably could have wielded the Infinity Jet or the Infinity Gauntlet oh yeah without without much problem he's that powerful. Oh yeah, but he he's 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 too he's not lazy enough to to vanquish his enemies with a snap. He he likes to do so with a gun in his fists. So it's true. In we'll, a pencil. We'll, in a pencil. We'll keep an eye out for Keanu in the MCU. Uh, I think it will happen, but it's just a matter of of when and what role. And uh, of course, we'll update you when that does come out. But Doctor Doom. There's a little bit of a Doctor Doom could be a good one. Uh, <laughs> there has been a Keanuance in the last uh, couple of years. And he is, he is uh, one of America's most darling uh, figures right now. So now is the time for the MCU to, uh, to cash in, which I'm sure they will because they're pretty good at cashing in. <laughs> one last thing uh, before we move on from, uh, from movies here. Um, today, as of this recording, we're recording on, on uh, Sunday the 30th of June, uh, Do the Right Thing, which is Spike, one of Spike Lee's first uh, major releases, and considered an iconic film in terms of black uh, cinema, uh, it turns 30 years old today. And so uh, if you haven't seen Do the Right Thing, I personally have not seen Do the Right Thing. Uh, it is a piece of black homework that I have not yet completed. So um, tonight I am going to be watching that because today is the actual day that is the anniversary of that release. So Do the Right Thing, Spike Lee, um, apparently has, <laughs> has, has continued to, um, to hold up and is a, a great film in terms of dealing with race and, uh, and, and, you know, sort of cementing all the Spike Lee-isms that he's got. Uh, certainly an iconic film, one, one that I think most folks should see. So uh, if you needed a reason to go watch Do the Right Thing, uh, it's a 30th anniversary, so you can go do that. I will be taking advantage of that uh, as well. I'm a big fan of Spike. I'm going to try to work some more Spike Lee into Seth's, um, into Seth's movie history uh, with our new We Missed the Boat segment, but i uh, got to complete my own first, so I'll be checking that one out. We are going to update on uh, We Missed the Boat in just a bit, but before we do that, uh, we, have, we have, I think, a very interesting edition of Mambo Number no. 5 coming at you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo Number no. 5. So Annabelle Comes Home was one of the big releases for this past weekend. Uh, Annabelle, of course, the possessed doll in the Conjuring universe that uh, is creepy as fuck and does a lot of scary shit. So we thought, you know, dolls are pretty scary. But what are some other scary toys that could be possessed by demons toys. that might make a might make a good movie? So, Seth, I think what we're doing here is are, are we pitching horror movies 
based around some of our favorite uh, toy possessions that that we uh, that we can think of. Or just, I was thinking just more what would be creepy as toys. That doesn't have to be a whole movie around it, but what toys would be be creeped out to see in horror movies? All right. Well, that's what we're going to do. Here are the top five toys that we think would be creepy as shit if they were possessed by demons. (laughs) (laughs) Number five. So I'm going to start with uh, number five. Now, the thing that's creepy about a a lot of horror movies is the music. And so my number five is a music toy. And it is those plastic, um, those little tiny plastic drum pads that you could play on that were, they're not very big. They're about the size of a computer keyboard, but they had like two like soft drum pads that you would whoop on and you could change the sounds that the drums would make. And uh, <laughs> effectively this movie would be just creepy, uh, you know, creepy music being played by the, the, uh, the ghost drums. Maybe there's some sticks that float up and play. And then, uh, I don't know, Demon probably does some other stuff. But creepy drums bring in the scary music. That's that's what I got at number five. <laughs> creepy drums. <laughs> uh, number five, I had uh, Army Men. Oh, and yeah. how, how they could be creepy is there's so many of them. Like, when you see Army Men, there's always a billion of them. And so they could, like, they could just, like surround you you could be laying in bed and wake up and there's just like thousands and they're like on top of you underneath you they're crawling into your orifices into your mouth stabbing your eyes out like they could just gang up and attack you and and ruin your life they have these sharp little fucking things you ever stepped on an army man oh man that's pain in itself just think of basically they're stepping on you instead watch what happens oh now they're gonna step on you that also all those army men could could if you squished like one army truck, then they all could shoot off of the sides of it like all those <laughs> spiders would, and that would scare the shit out of me. I don't like that. I don't like that much of anything. So yeah. you, you've got my ticket. Number four. Uh, number four, I think, is kind of an obvious one, um, but I have Etch a Sketch at number okay. four. And uh, basically, what the Etch a Sketch does is it draws scary fucking pictures and scary messages um, that uh, maybe only one kid can see or something. But um, it's doing all sorts of shit that Etch-a-Sketches should not be able to do uh, because it's possessed by a demon. And um, that's, that's pretty much it. Etch- they they kind of creep me out anyway because I don't like the thought of them spinning. The one in Toy Story actually used to creep me out because it would spin around. <laughs> really? The knobs would spin when no one was grabbing it. And it was, it, it was incongruous to my young mind. So it kind of freaked me out. And so an You're evil s- version of that would be uh, pretty fucking scary. You're a strange, weird little man. <laughs> Uh, number four is just a creepy toy in itself. Um, I don't know if you remember the Baby Born dolls. I, I, I'm getting confused with every other doll. What's unique about the Baby Born? Baby Born is you put water in it and it would cry and pee. Oh, Jesus. And the crying, like it would, the cry was just like it would stream water down its eyes. And so like that in itself could be fucking creepy because like it could be, you know, it's have like unlimited water come out of it and just always pouring from its eyes, like sitting in the corner and just pouring from its eyes. And then like the kid could tell its mom, like it won't stop crying. And then the mom goes to look at it and it's not crying anymore. Like never, no water has been around it at all. Like that type of thing. Mm. Um, but, and, and instead of water, it could be blood. Oh God. Yeah. 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 It's pretty fucking creepy. I don't want Yeah. I don't yeah. get dolls. I think dolls are creepy. I don't. I don't yeah. like them at all. And Hollywood has made a billion dollars off of dolls. Um, baby born, <laughs> baby born would be a good. Uh, I think a good addition. Number three. Uh, <laughs> this one, you got to stay with me for a second. No. Slinky. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. And the score is going to be very important to Slinky because the Slinky is going to be going down some stairs. And each time it gets down to a new stair, it'll make like a dum noise. And mm-hmm. so it'll be like dum 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 And then it'll start going quicker. And then it'll something scary will happen. But that's that's all I could picture in my head when I was thinking of scary toys is a Slinky going down the stairs to a horror uh, a horror score and uh maybe it like maybe it like hides on one of the steps so that the human steps on it and falls down the stairs and then it dumps <laughs> down the stairs and just like poses next to it uh to the dead body because the human broke their neck while they were going down the stairs <laughs> i don't know and then it could hang from different stuff and be really flexible i was thinking of the tire from that movie rubber where uh, it's just an inanimate tire that like makes stuff explode with its mind and stuff I think that would be slinky where it, it never really looks threatening. It never physically does anything threatening, but it just kind of moves around in a creepy slinky type fashion. So sure. <laughs> also my parents would never buy me an actual slinky brand slinky when I was a kid. So uh, I have, I have a, an attachment to them. I always had like the true value plastic slinkies. I never got the actual metal ones. <laughs> There's a little bit of pent up frustration on that one. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. We had to, uncover that oh it's okay it's better that i deal with it than than you know hold it with him (laughs) um my number three is so this would be very similar to like a blob situation maybe silly putty oh yeah Uh, you could it could like create uh, have a mind of its own and like multiply get really big it can go into people's mouths and noses and again more orifices and uh just just cause you know wreak havoc go inside the body and just like deteriorate it and then come out and no one knows like what happened this is a weird health thing but really silly putty just disintegrated it's the person's insides and it can like sneak into the sewers and into beds and through the drains and you know it could be a real bigger be a real big sticky mess that uh real big sticky mess is the title of your sex tape (laughs) i was looking for uh i didn't hear a sounder oh here we go there we go. The reason I missed it was because I was Googling uh, my number two, uh, which I thought for I thought for a second, I was like, oh my God, did they make one? And then it turns out they didn't. So I was okay. I was only partially paying attention, which is why I was slow to the sounder. But uh, <laughs> my number two, I think, is a good one. Number two. You remember viewfinders? Yeah. Yeah. So picture, um, picture a viewfinder. A kid's got a viewfinder, but all of a sudden they get mailed this box of unlabeled viewfinder discs (laughs) with creepy photos and creepy imaging on them and effectively it's the movie sinister which i was just gonna say yeah how do they not ever do that in sinister uh, i'm surprised they didn't but uh, in sinister it's it's real to real movies uh this is basically the same idea a creepy monster or creepy demon lives inside the viewfinder discs and it's just made for jump scares every time you flip it to the next slide um, you get uh, you get a jump scare or something moves closer to you or disappears or something. So, uh, or maybe you can only see the ghosts in the viewfinder. A lot of creepy shit you could do because that was a scary toy. I didn't like viewfinders because I don't like not being able to see my own surroundings. So the fact that I had to look just into that, I've always been a scared bitch, especially as a kid. Um, <laughs> I didn't like the I didn't like the idea that something could hit me in the side of the head while I was looking into the viewfinder. But I had a time. I've always been a scared bitch. <laughs> that might be the title of our show this week. That's a good one. <laughs> um, uh, so viewfinders, sp- spooky viewfinders. Um, that's my number. Spooky two. view. 
My number two is this one. Uh, it kind of is almost, you know, it's it's, it's 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 probably a stereotypical one, but it's Cabbage Patch Kids. Oh yeah. Um, but it's like a lot of them. It's like they there's one in the room, but then it can like like attract others like through Sonic vibes or whatever and uh, get a whole bunch of them and then they like corner someone in the room and and can you know taunt haunt them and terrorize them and but they, all the whole time though the they have the smiles on their face but they're just saying real mean things like yeah bitch <laughs> they, but but they all have smiles on their faces and, and everything like that and uh then again like the the kid is like mom this couch patch kids are everywhere they're gonna kill me and then she comes. The mom comes in the room and turns the light on, and there's just one sitting in the spot it was before. And he's like, "No, they they were there. I promise." <laughs> and then and then the mom leaves, and he's like, "You better not talk again, you bitch." <laughs> says bitch a lot. He's like, uh, it sounds a lot like Chucky, except not ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably that. I do. I do like that one. Uh, Cabbage Patch Kids. They do have, those creepy fucking smiles of theirs are inhuman, mm-hmm. and are mm-hmm. made for a horror movie poster. So I think you're onto something there. <laughs> bitch. Number one. Uh, dildos. <laughs> <laughs> Sex toys are my number one. Um, oh, yeah? Which I think would make a really, honestly, would make a good movie. Or like a one of those like those like entertaining enough horror movies that's not really good, but like you watch because the teens die in horrible ways. Uh, some haunted sex toys that some sex crazed teenagers are using and they murder them somehow. Like they, they sex electrocute them teenagers. or they sex crazed. Yeah. I got a little bit of saliva in my mouth. Um, <laughs> but all these sex, sexy teens are dying cause they're beating off with these, these haunted dildos and haunted butt plugs and all that, all this haunted <laughs> stuff, maybe a haunted sex swing that like causes someone to get hung by it. Um, mm. and you, you were talking about, uh, sonic vibes from your, uh, your cabbage packs, kids, Cabbage, cabbage pets kids. I can't, I can't say cabbage, cabbage pets. Cabbage pets kids. Cabbage, cabbage. Why can't I say this? Cabbage. Cabbage. Shut up, shut up you a second. You dumb fuck. Cabbage patch kids. Cabbage patch kids. The uh, cabbage. There we go. <laughs> cabbage patch kids. Uh, Sonic vibes from the Cabbage Patch. Uh, also from the uh, the Cabbage Snatch Kids, which are the scary dildos that I've got. So oh, no. yeah, I don't know what's going on, but s- some sex toys killing people. The ultimate, the ultimate in uh, taking something that people love and adore and making it murder them, which gets under people's skin, uh, and is ultimately no even more even worse more terrifying so spooky dildos are my number one (laughs) (laughs) aren't they all (laughs) uh my number one i think is again already a creepy creepy thing and that's furbies furbies are already super creepy oh geez yeah they they already blink when you're not you're not playing with them they 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 make noises uh, when you're not playing with them. I remember, like, I had friends who had them, and they would be sitting in the corner, the Furbies, and then all of a sudden they would blink or make a noise, and you'd be like, what the fuck? And uh, they, they're already super creepy. So what if all of a sudden they, you know, start moving around on their own, and they start, uh, like, they're they're always, like, one of those things where you walk into a room, and, like, 
it was there in one shot and you'd come back and it was gone. And then mm. it's on the floor in front of you and it's oh, doing like a weird noise and all that stuff. Yeah, that was one of the biggest toys that like parents like rushed out to buy their kids and mm-hmm. then were so horrified of later on. Like uh-huh. they, they creeped all the parents out specifically. Yeah, Furbies would be a good one. And I'm shocked. Are they Hasbro? Hasbro has got to be so. coming up with a Furby movie. Uh, they're probably the 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 holdup is probably them deciding whether they want to capitalize on a bunch of kids going to the Furby movie or make it into a scary thing. Uh, <laughs> I think the scary way to do it would definitely be the way to do it. Furbies, uh, number one for Seth on our list of uh, of, of top five uh, toy possessions that would make good movies. Uh, I have one additional honorable mention. Uh, a favorite childhood game of mine is Mousetrap, and I think. Uh, no, not again. A, I know we're not going to talk about Mousetrap a ton, but it is a great fucking game. And uh, one of those, if one of those, if a haunted, basically it's a haunted Rube Goldberg machine that uh, murders and or captures kids and or mice. Um, so I just, I think it would be good, man. I think it's some sort of scary uh, demon murderer who is, is obsessed with Rube Goldberg. I think there's a movie there. That's why it's an hour. That's why I didn't make my top five because I knew you were going to groan about it as soon as I said mousetrap. You and your fucking mousetrap obsession. I don't understand. <laughs> it's a good... Uh, you, you're such a boner for a mousetrap. You know why I have a boner for a mousetrap? Do you remember the mousetrap commercial? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to play the mousetrap commercial for you. Oh, God. Hey, get that back! Oh, my God. Mouse trouble? Then you what need the mousetrap. Mousetrap. It's the craziest trap you'll ever see. The first to capture everyone else's mouse is the winner. Just turn the crank and snap the plank and boot the marble right down the chute. Now watch it roll and hit the pole and knock the ball in the rubber up top. Which hits the man into the fan. The trap is set. Here comes the net. Ouch! Mouse trap. I guarantee it's the craziest trap you'll ever see. I, I knew you were a winner. Mouse trap from Milton Bradley. <laughs> there you go. All right, you were you were right. That is the most scary fucking. <laughs> <laughs> the most scary, like that. That commercial is just an old man talking about different things that are happening in this contraption. He's look out behind you. There's a mouse. He's gonna stab you with some cheese. <laughs> like what the fuck's going on? Well, you're wrong about one thing. It was actually a cat, a singing cat, that was okay. uh, doing. But that's not actually the commercial I remember. There's a newer one. I wonder if this is it. We're going in for the big cheese, so don't get caught. Mouse trap. It's a zany action. A crazy contraption. The fun is catching its mouse trap. This is the one I saw. The fun is catching its mouse trap. Yeah, that was. I remember that one, but I didn't realize Jared's character from JV Classics did the voiceover for that one. <laughs> hey, yo, I got a mouse trap over here. <laughs> the yeah. fun is catching its mouse trap. Yeah. And I was, I was the right age where, like, when I would catch my brother, I would throw my hands up like the kid in the commercial and go, mousetrap! It was, uh, there's a reason that I have a lot of friends, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other honorable mentions for, for creepy toys? I, no. <laughs> not more honorable than mousetrap, I know that for fucking sure. I uh, guess not. <laughs> let us know out there uh, on Facebook or on Twitter, um, what, what are some, some other toys that uh, you don't want to be possessed um, other than you're probably not going to do better in Mousetrap, but, but try uh, and leave us a comment and, uh, and we'll, we'll take those into consideration. Maybe we'll mention them on a future show uh, when we're pitching new possessed toy ideas. So that's, uh, that is 
One of the one of the wackier versions yet of Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. It's, it just this just occurred to me, and and it's I feel very stupid. The I so I don't know if you, if you know this, but all the sounders that we have are on my keyboard. So each key has a different sounder. Mm-hmm. And the Mambo number five sounder is not on the five button. Uh, it's on the four button. Uh, which which seems very stupid, um, and it is, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna move that. Yeah, that's it. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> All of our, our listeners are like, yes, like now I know where the where the sounders are on the keyboard. So <laughs> you're welcome. That was a little nugget from behind the scenes of the SoCo show. Uh, let's keep it rolling. We're still in the world of movies, and uh, we're gonna talk about a film that Seth recommended to me in this week's edition of We Missed the Boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, and you're gonna need a bigger boat. Indeed, we will. Uh, I was very, I was very happy that this movie was on my list. It's one I've been meaning to get to uh, for quite some time. Uh, and Seth, you've you've been you've long been a fan of Wes Anderson and his films, and uh, I've just frankly not been exposed to enough of them. So you put Moonrise Kingdom on my list, and I gave that a watch. This week, I pre- I had previously seen a little bit of the movie Isle of Dogs, um, which is also a Wes Anderson film. And for those who don't know, uh, Anderson has an incredibly unique filmmaking style. The way he uses the camera, uh, the way his his uh, his characters are, uh, just the way he shoots in general is is very unique. You can watch a movie for ten seconds and know that it's a Wes Anderson movie and. I think that was the biggest thing for me was really getting to know his style through Moonrise Kingdom was super fun for me because what you get is a lot of like very um, very satisfying shots which are mm-hmm. like really balanced symmetrically in the frame. Uh, they they tend to have a color palette that is very uh, th- themed and and similar. Like a character who's wearing a blue shirt will probably be in a room that is painted blue. Um, and, and the the way they shoot the sets in this, where it's like, the, it's almost this diorama, this like shoebox diorama you're looking into. And then the way they move the camera is almost always in straight lines. Like it's either always mm-hmm. going straight up and down or straight side to side. And in Moonrise Kingdom, at least, he'd, he'll do these quick whip arounds to different parts of the same scene. Um, almost kind of like... Um, that 70s show when they're smoking pot in the basement. <laughs> They'll do some of those whip around turns. And just the style of this movie was super fun. And yeah. it, it plugged for it plugged into something in my brain that like, it, I think it's the obsessive compulsive part of my brain that was just like, very just like, ah, the whole time. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was really well, after like 20 minutes or so, you settle into that and it's a very welcoming thing. And I think that's, that's, um, that's something I gravitated towards. So it was good to get this one in and see kind of his style. Mm-hmm. In terms of this movie specifically, uh, it, it was really funny to see some of the acting in this. With you have uh, Francis McDormand and, and Bruce Willis and and um, uh, Bill Murray and mm-hmm. some some young actors. Did you, did you realize that Lucas Hedges is one of the young actors in this? I did not. It's been a long time since I've seen it, um, and so I mean I knew some of the bigger ones, but Bruce Willis, Bill Murray, of course. But yeah, the kids like. I didn't really, you know, I can't, honestly, I can barely even picture them anymore. But mm-hmm. I, I remember, like you mentioned, some of the, just the charm and, and you know, feel-good nature of it and stuff. But yeah, the actors and, and, and that type of thing, I don't remember very specifically. 
Yeah, uh, Lucas Hedges, I mean, he's young. He's probably like, a, he's a young teenager in this. Uh, mm-hmm. Ed Norton is in this. And everyone yep, in Ed this Norton, movie, yep. Ed Norton is great in this. Everyone in this movie is so against their typical, how they typically would act. Um, mm-hmm. The everyone, you can, it's very weird. Like, Anderson must have a, a really strong control over his sets because the way that the characters speak in this movie um, is very controlled and you can tell was like given to them. They're not taking mm-hmm. a lot of creative liberty with these characters. They're given their lines. There's like a specific type of deadpan delivery that they do that every actor does. And the fun, the funny, the, the jokes in this are very, uh, very dry, very easy to miss. Um, and even the way that the characters move about a scene in this movie, because a lot of times there's very heavily choreographed movements and blocking in the shots in this. And I was just really amazed by the amount of control he must've had over his set with some big name actors. And he's really getting him to buy into like, this is very specifically his style. And it was really interesting to see. And this is just a really delightful kind of happy movie. You got some kids doing some, um, they're getting out and running away and they're falling in love and you've got these wacky adults trying to run them down and it's all very goofy. There's not a lot of, you know, there's not really high stakes. Um, and this is a, I came into this movie, uh, just this past night and, um, was in a mood where I just wanted to watch something fun and light. And this was exactly that. Uh, it had some yeah. good laughs for me. Um, it's, uh, Again, very low brow. There's there's a point in this. The the hardest I laughed. This is strange, but the hardest I laughed in this movie. One of the characters is talking to one of the young the young characters and, and says, um, you know, I know this I know this is hard for you, but but trust me, you've got your whole life um, out in front of yourself. You've got your whole life out in front of yourself, or you know, in front of you. And that little thing <laughs> where he they like he got wrong the colloquialism and then corrected himself. <laughs> Uh, yep. That made me laugh so hard, and the, he said it almost with that exact delivery. They didn't like make it into a joke uh, with the score or anything like that. So it seemed very just like, yeah, here's a joke, and uh, now we're gonna keep going. And <laughs> I, I talked about the dead don't die a couple weeks back, and mm-hmm. I really hated the deadpan delivery in that. But for some reason, the way they do it in in Moonrise Kingdom, um, I really did dig. So I like this one a lot. I appreciate the recommendation. Uh, and I was, I was, it's one that you, you've mentioned to me many times before and I was happy that I finally got to plug it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of those, like anytime it's brought up, I'm like, that's a really good movie, but it's never one. Like I, I go out of the, my way to recommend to people, but because you, we, we, because we watched the, the movie trivia Schmodown and it comes up a lot. Um, that, that's one, like I've, I know I've mentioned to you multiple times. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm going to put this one on there. Cause I know it's something that's in your royal house for that type of, uh, feeling and and uh, the the mood is perfect for it and everything like I know some other Wes Anderson stuff is harder to get into but this one I feel like is the best I think it's my favorite out of the Wes Anderson stuff and I think it's the best in terms of like uh, a general audience I think anyone who watches this can get into it where some of the other stuff is just maybe a little bit too um, strange or a little bit too out there a little bit too artsy or whatever it might be whatever the the type of situation he's going for um, might be just a little bit too much of that for the public to get into but I think this one is perfect for a general audience to watch mm-hmm. yeah it's accessible you know because mm-hmm. you get a taste of and you get a real idea for what his style is 
uh, but it's not so wacky and out there that it's hard to follow. Other than the deadpan nature of it, I could see people getting bored of it or falling off because it is so dry. Um, yeah. But I was in the mood for that, uh, and, I, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, I think I am going to try to check out some more of his stuff. I know there's a couple other ones uh, that were highly uh, you know, ranked that have come out during our lives. So um, Wes Anderson, is you, you have endeared me to him. And this was a good a welcome introduction. So I, I would also pass along the recommendation uh, if you've not been into Wes Anderson or if you haven't found the right Wes Anderson movie yet, Moonrise Kingdom very well might be it. Uh, so check that out. They also, I also have to say, what they do with the narrator in this mm-hmm. uh, is very just cool and fun. And uh, I really just appreciated the the narrator as, as, a, as a sort of character. And what he's narrating never really matters. <laughs> he's just like, yeah. he's just like kind of there. So that's a cool kind of through joke. Um, it was it just very very charming and uh, and light and just a good you know it's not very long it's less than a hundred minutes I think so it's mm-hmm. just a nice just a nice kind of uh, like a yeah that was fun kind of movie nice <laughs> nice um, so Moonrise so- Kingdom is off of my list and uh, it needs to be replaced because they always have to be five deep so what uh, what do you have in the hopper for for my list here. Debbie Does Dallas. Ooh, no, I've um, already seen that. <laughs> <laughs> I I believe I think I think we've talked about it before. You haven't seen this one. It's an animated movie. Uh, Wall-E. I have not seen Wall-E. I, I'm okay, actually stoked I'm, to have that on there. Yeah. I decided you you put you you replaced your animated one uh, for that I watched with another animated one. So I'm like, all right, I'll add my one animated one that I know he hasn't watched <laughs> on on this list. It's funny too. I've seen this one. Um, but I watched it uh, on ABC uh, during some storms. It was just like on during storm coverage. And and so I was like, because I used to be like deathly afraid of storms when I was a kid. So it was on during that. Cause I, so I was watching like the weather in the corner. But Wally was on and I got like really sucked into Wally while the storms were going on. So <laughs> it comforted me. But I do remember it pr- pretty vividly. Um, and and uh, I've always really enjoyed Wally. It's really really thematic and uh, has a lot of points to make so i'm interested to hear what you think about it well i uh, i'm certainly excited to watch it it's been recommended to me many times so excited to that you force my hand on this one so you do have two two animated movies on there actually now <laughs> you have toy story three that's true i gotta get uh, you're, you're catching me up on my animation I, I see more of it than you but uh you are you're getting you're getting me into the essentials so yeah i do uh, i do need to watch that so uh for this week wally you just made the list! <laughs> there you go. Wally is on my list. Uh, next week, Seth will be watching a film from my list of five. Uh, what's your what's your current uh, your current available list of five right now? Uh, Scream. Zodiac. Equilibrium. Steve Jobs. And How to Train Your Dragon. I don't know where those ideas came from, but I think I'm probably <laughs> going to chop those out and we might have a new sounder next week. <laughs> so uh, come on back next week and uh, you'll hear Seth review one of those five films in our newest segment, We Missed the Boat. Oh! I'm on a boat, and You're going to need a bigger boat. Yes, indeed. Uh, so Moonrise Kingdom, which was a release in the year 2012, uh, was this week's feature. Uh, but let's talk about some 2019 movies. We got to get into this week's reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it! 
I hated it. Mm-hmm. I hated it. We have three <laughs> movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have three movies to review this week. Uh, one that each of us saw and one that, uh, that both of us saw. So uh, I'm going to go first here. Um, and uh, this, week, this was a horror weekend for me. Uh, the first of a couple consecutive horror. consecutive horror weekends. Yeah, more to come um, in the after hours portion of the SoCo show later on. <laughs> uh, no, so this was uh, this was Annabelle Comes Home, which is the newest edition of the Conjuring franchise, the expanded universe of horror films. So Annabelle, as you know, is the creepy ass doll uh, from those Conjuring movies. You've seen her Cabbage on, Patch on all sorts of yeah. She's a Cabbage Patch kid from the uh, from the marketing. I'm sure you've seen her. And uh, Annabelle Comes Home is the story of uh, the Warrens collecting Annabelle, bringing her to their house, and locking her in their vault of scary shit, like haunted uh, toys and haunted clothes and all sorts of other haunted items. And um, what's crazy about Annabelle is she, she has a way of unleashing other evil spirits. And so this is sort of a Monster Mash team-up of several evil entities uh, that are terrorizing the Warren's daughter and her babysitter and the babysitter's friends over the course of a very spooky night. So uh, that's kind of the setup for Annabelle. Uh, and I'll say this, uh, this was a pretty welcome addition to the Conjuring universe. Uh, they have done a very good job so far with these Annabelle movies, this being the third uh, sort of standalone Annabelle movie and uh, it's it's putting it's putting right now out about seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a very favorable score for horror films. And uh, I would say this that it is it is a fair it is a very favorable horror movie as compared to what we've seen in the last couple of years. I think that you know we've seen sort of three or so types of horror have come out, probably four or so types of horror have come out in recent memory. There's the really high-minded Jordan Peele type stuff. There's the really um, really artistic A24 stuff. There's the, the garbage crap that's very gimmicky that we always have gotten, Escape Plan and, um, or Escape Room and, um, <laughs> and uh, Truth escape or Dare. Plan. That kind of thing. By the way, Escape Plan 3 uh, is is in the works or out. It's got Batista and uh, Sylvester Stallone. I think, that was, I think that was two. Was that the second one? Yeah. Well, maybe there's a third one where they both are because um, I did just see and Escape Plan 3. Um, yeah, Escape Plan The Extractors is what it's called. And it's got, yeah, both those guys and... Uh, who's that? Schwarzenegger. 50 Cent. <laughs> what? 50 Cent is the third guy. Oh, nice. Yeah, Schwarzenegger's not in it. But yeah, Escape Plan 3, The the Extractors is the name of that one. God, just when you think Stallone's retired, he's putting out a thousand crappy movies. Yeah, no, I'm going to escape, you know? <laughs> Uh, so back to, uh, back to what Annabelle, um, (laughs) and with Annabelle, here's what you get. You get a, you get a horror movie that has a little bit better budget than most, uh, a little bit more thought than most. And it's got some established characters from the conjuring universe. So it it is an advantaged movie and they use their advantages, I think, to great effect. Uh, you can see that the budget and the care was taken to make this a solid horror movie. Uh, there's some pretty good scares in here. Um, where they where they saved a few bucks was on the acting. There's not there's not a ton of great acting here. Uh, there's also a couple of CG shots that don't work super well for me. But on the whole, the the plot of this is satisfying Gross. enough. 
it's got uh, it's got some good, some pretty good scares. A lot of which are jump scares, though. Fair warning uh, for those who might be thinking of checking this one out. But uh, there's there's not a ton to say about Annabelle other than it was sufficiently creepy. It had some creative enough scares. Uh, I will say this: it set up um, some other potential uh, scary characters that we may see later on in the Conjuring universe that I think will be very interesting. Were they? Uh, would you call them characters? I, I would call them characters. Nice. That is a that is a good one. Uh, so <laughs> there's some characters in this one. Um, the uh, there's a haunted a haunted bride's dress that was pretty good in here. There was a, uh, a haunted Hasbro game called um, Feely Mealy, which was my nickname in high school. Um, <laughs> and then there's um, the what was his name? One that I'm almost certain they'll make they'll make a, a movie about. Um, and he's like a shepherd of souls, and you have to pay his toll. Um, pay his toll. What's his scary toll man? Fair the fairy man. Uh, the fairy man is is apparently. Ooh, I'm the fairy man. Yeah, he doesn't sound like that. He sounds much scarier. Oh, um, okay. He's the guy. So you see people put coins on dead people's eyes. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's why because he comes to get their souls, and if you don't pay the toll, then he takes your soul. And so there's Uh-oh. a lot of a lot of rhyming there, but uh, the fairy man features heavily in this. There's also a hellhound, which uh, is kind of just like a werewolf. Um, that's where some of the mediocre CGI came from in this one. So they, they are continuing to expand this conjuring universe. Um, you have Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson in this. They really just serve to set the movie up in the beginning and then wrap it up in the end. They're, they're gone for most of the film, but, um, this was again, just a really solid horror movie. Uh, for those who are horror fans or conjuring universe fans, I would recommend seeing it in theaters because, the sound has a lot to do with what's scary here. There are some jump scares and some loud noises and things uh, that I don't think are going to go over quite as well at home uh, unless you have a great sound system. So if you're going to see this, I would suggest seeing it in theaters. I want to put this squarely in the realm of fun. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that it's, you know, it's, it's not reinventing much. You've got some dumb teens uh, picking up haunted shit they shouldn't be touching and uh, then some, some scares in the dark and things like that, some flashlight scares. So uh, nothing, nothing really novel here, but again, just a solid addition to an already well-established horror franchise that I think is among the best that are doing it right now. Uh, this whole Conjuring universe is something that I'm fully on board for, and I've been satisfied with almost everything I've seen out of that camp, and uh, Annabelle Comes Home is no exception. So I don't know if I'd recommend this to you, Seth, because I know how against jump scares you are, uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, I'm happy you did. <laughs> the uh, I, I will say this as well. Um, if if I've been too vague in terms of Annabelle Comes Home, uh, that is with good reason. Ordinarily, this is a movie that I would describe for the podcast. I would tell you all the plot of it and what happens, and um, and you would know. But uh, as I alluded to last week, I am I am working on a new series on YouTube uh, where I will be describing horror movies much in the same way you've heard on this podcast in the past. And uh, a bit of breaking news... Break yourself, fool! ...is that Annabelle Comes Home is going to be the first film featured on that new series. Uh, principal photography is underway uh, for that video, so you can expect to see that in the not-too-distant future. So if you're not going to go see Annabelle Comes Home, uh, watch my video breakdown of it instead. Um, but if you are, 
uh, I recommend seeing it in the theater. So a little bit of breaking news along with my Annabelle review here, but uh, yeah, it's a thumbs up for me. So let's keep this revolt review party rolling. Uh, let's go to one that Seth saw this week, but I did not. Uh, a Netflix original, uh, kind of, uh, you, you've been spreading your Netflix wings these last few weeks, so uh, let us know if, if, this, uh, if this latest Netflix original is one that, uh, that you're going to recommend. Yes, um, this movie is a prequel to the movie we both saw. It's called See You Yesterday. <laughs> and and uh, no, it's, uh, so this is a Netflix film. Came out a few weeks ago, I think, maybe in May or something. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a Spike Lee produced joint. It doesn't say that in the beginning, but uh, it's it has pr- uh, pretty relatively unknown actors in it. It's what it is. It's basically a time travel movie uh, that's mixed with like it's it, it's got some teens in it. It's also mixed with some pretty serious uh, subject matter. So uh, with it being you know kind of related to Spike Lee, of course, it takes place in New York, I believe, mostly like the uh, Bronx and Brooklyn area, and. These these two kids, they're both, they're, uh, their names are CJ and mm, Titty McGee. What's his name? PJ. TJ. BJ. No. No. RJ. No. It's not even close. Uh, Sebastian. I, I kept wanting to say Seamus, but it's Sebastian. So it's CJ and Sebastian. They're best friends. They're both really smart guy, really smart kids. Uh, CJ's a girl. Sebastian's a boy. And they best friends. They're they're always working on science projects and stuff together. And they're they're always they're they're trying to to crack the code of time travel. And they uh, they they get really close and that type of thing. And eventually they do get it. And that's that's kind of where the meat of the plot comes in because they they're really just doing it to try and get into to college to get into really good colleges and and get away from you know where they're at and make better lives for themselves and their family that type of thing. Of course, they're both really smart and all that, so they want to prove themselves. But they eventually figure out time travel, and it's not like big time travel. They can go back to the day before, but they 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 kind of follow the same rules as you know some of your normal. Uh, time travel movies a la uh, Back to the Future, which is actually a really funny cameo by Michael J. Fox in this movie ah. um, in the in the beginning, which I thought was really neat and uh, uh, kind of heavy handed, but it was also pretty funny. So it was, it, it fit well in. It wasn't too like oh this is out of the nor- out of you know out of place for the movie. It was it was cool, but so yeah they they. They, they, they go back in time and they set these rules up. You know, we're not going to change anything. We're not going to interact with ourselves, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, as just as any time travel movie does, something goes awry. Now, in in the case of this movie, the stuff that goes awry does uh, is pretty serious. And they set some things up in this, uh, a lot of like, uh, not a lot, a little bit of race stuff, a little bit of like police stuff. And that comes into play with the time travel elements in, in the movie. So... You know they 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 relate all these serious topics into the main uh, the the main plot device of the movie, which I thought was was done really well. Uh, the it, it, so it's a good mix of comedy because it is a funny movie. It's uh it's a mature movie. Uh, they don't have an R as like TVMA, even though it's technically a, a film a motion picture, but 
so you know there, there's this swearing and things like that but there's also some lighthearted comedy but there's also some kind of deep stuff too involved in it so I thought they did a really good job of balancing all that I think really my only issues with that because I thought the performances all around were really good the, the both kids uh, CJ and uh, Sebastian are both really good all the supporting cast was all really good again not a lot of name actors a few that you've seen and stuff that you couldn't really point out but I think my main issue with this was some of the time travel and it started to feel, I guess, I guess pun intended, intended repetitive. <laughs> um, they, 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 it felt like they were rehashing kind of some of the same things over and over again, but not in a way that felt like it was driving the plot forward completely for me. But uh, overall, you know, the, the, the messages they were trying to say and, and the story they're trying to tell did get across. I just thought that the, the way that it moved wasn't completely uh, there for me. I didn't think it all completely fit for me. And it is a short movie. It's an hour and, hour and 20 minutes or so. And so for being a short movie, it still kind of felt a little long because of some of the things they were doing with, with the time travel and, 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 and that type of thing. So... Not not 100% of a, like, this is excellent. I think it could have been there with a few changes, but definitely a very fun movie. It's, it, like you said, with, with Annabelle, very squarely in the fun area. Definitely worth checking out. There's a lot of cool... Uh, a lot of cool things they do with with the time travel as well, but again, not all of them land. I thought it was very, uh, I thought it was very funny. The world they set up was perfect for what they were going for, and again, some of the the messages they went for were 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 good, and and I thought it struck uh, the right chord that they needed to. So I enjoyed this one. This is definitely one to check out. All right, it's getting a it's getting a recommend. It's in the fun zone. Uh, See You Yesterday on Netflix. I think Jared saw this one he mentioned last week, but I don't think he said he reviewed it on his show. So you can't you can't check out his thoughts. At Jared Buckendall. But uh, he did give it a thumbs up as well. So this one's getting a recommendation. It's another one along with I Am Mother, which uh, you reviewed last week. Mother! Uh, or in the last couple weeks at least. Uh, Netflix is pumping out some, some original films that uh, are going on my list for sure. Uh, and this is yet another one. So I'm glad to hear you enjoyed it. And it's going to stay on my list. Let's go to our third film. Uh, one of the other wide releases uh, for this week is the new Danny Boyle film called Yesterday. Uh, Yesterday is the story of a British man who uh, wakes up to find that nobody remembers who the Beatles are. And so he decides to play the Beatles music uh, as though it were his own and becomes very famous in the process. Um, he, of course, is, is accompanied by his friend who is played by Lily James. Um, and... I, I'm going to start with Lily James because I've been thinking about this ever since I left the movie. Um, if I if I go to one more movie where someone isn't properly taking care of Lily James, I'm going <laughs> to fucking freak out. <laughs> because that woman, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's her look. It probably has to do with her eyes. She is she does the best like uh like like love interest she she is among my favorite women who play the love interest in a movie because she just gives off this like purity and uh wholesomeness that makes you just want to just like take care of her um and whenever she's not being taken care of by these shitheads that are in movies with her it makes me so angry um i'm not even gonna blow the horn for lily james that's how that's how like just like you respect her it's yeah that's what it is (laughs) it's not even it seems it seems too dirty because her she she it makes my heart hurt seth when she is on screen and she's not happy it it it, it hurts my soul (laughs) 
and I oh, I don't like it. I want her to be happy in, in all of her movies. And she's she's obviously incredibly pretty, but she just I don't know. She has that quality about her that it's um, I don't I don't know what it is, but you have to know some sense of what I'm talking about. No, I think she's like an evil woman. No, um, <laughs> no, I, I I get what you're talking about. Yeah, that's uh, but I mean that's the role she plays. That's the part she plays, man. Yep, that's that's her thing, and uh, she's she's I don't know. She's one of my favorites. Plus, she's got an adorable British accent in this. I think she is British, but. The last, the last thing that we saw her in, and we, <laughs> you and I had a lot of conversations about how great she is in Baby Driver uh, when she's doing mm-hmm. like a little Georgia Southern accent, which is also great. Lily James is great. She is in no way the focal point of this movie. Uh, Dinesh Patel, in, in the first that I have seen him in, is the lead character whose name is Jack. Um, and he's got a lot to do in terms of, uh, of singing and, and, of course, playing the guitar here. So I think he was cast a lot for his voice. Uh, there are a few dramatic scenes in here where I think he does well. Uh, what was your or your thoughts on on uh, Patel in this one? Did you did you like his his first uh, first big role? I did. I, I did like him. Um, I think with this movie in general, like the, I think there's there's people on on like two sides of the camp here with this movie in terms of how they how they pictured it going in. I kind of had a discussion with this with Jared, uh, so. For me personally, I went into this movie not taking it seriously at all. And and what I mean by that is like the premise sets it up for this being a completely fantastical, not realistic movie, you know, mm. and where anything can fucking happen. You know, it, it, I, I honestly, if unicorns came out of there and started flying, like I wouldn't have been shocked by it, like that type of thing, like it's it just seemed like a completely fantastical thing and so like i thought he did a good job i, I know some people had issues with like their they would have jokes and things like that throughout the movie that didn't quite fit honestly i didn't really feel that i i felt fine with all the jokes and things like that um and i thought uh, patel did a really good job of playing the character he was supposed to play i thought um sure there's some things that were frustrating with choices and that type of thing but i thought he did uh, i thought he did a really good job and and did what he was asked to do yeah, indeed. And the the music here, you know, Patel is billed as the main character. I think the main character truly of this movie is the Beatles and their their discography. Um, there is all the greatest hits are being played. And as much as anything, this, this movie is a vehicle to make sure that we hear all this Beatles music. And I, I think that between, I came out of this movie uh, pretty high on it. Um, mm-hmm. this, this, uh, you know, if I were to update my top 10 list from last week, it would, it would very much be flirting with one of those, those last couple spots in my top 10, because this movie between Lily James, which has an inexplicable connection to my soul and the Beatles music, which also has a more reasonable connection to my soul. Like the, there are some of these songs like let it be specifically that just make me cry from ha- just listening to them with no context. And this movie does a good job of contextualizing most of the music, and it just so gets in under your skin. And I've, I've never been a huge Beatles fan, but uh, as I've grown older, I've, I've grown to appreciate uh, more of their music. And this really, I think, treats the music well and does it justice and gives it, you know, the right context and the right weight. And I think as much as anything, this, this made me maybe a little bit more of a Beatles fan than I was going in. 
And um, I don't know if you're as much of a Beatles fan as I am, but uh, where were you on, on the music and the Beatles aspect here? I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I, yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge Beatles fan. I don't really – I like the music, but I don't really – you know, it's not something that I go – I don't go search for it. I don't – you know, it's not something I've independently gone and, and listened to. If it's on or whatever, I, and obviously I've heard a lot of Beatles music just because, you know, they're very popular. So I knew a lot of the songs that, that were played in the in the movie, but – I, you know, it wasn't my drawing point for the movie for me. Uh, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I thought they did a good job of it. But, you know, I'm not the biggest Beatles fan. I, I did like some of the other uh, songs. Like, I know Oasis, Wonderwall was mm-hmm. kind of involved in this, too. And, and so I did like that it wasn't completely Beatles focused. Uh, there was other things that kind of were impacted by this world, too. Yeah, this was an incredibly creative and cool plot device. The setup to this mm-hmm. movie is so interesting to me. And uh, it, it do, you're right, it does extend a little bit beyond the Beatles in some some fun and interesting ways um, and provides for, for some of the drama uh, of this movie. And I just thought, uh, maybe maybe as much as anything else, this is this is as refreshing a, a new and creative idea for a movie as I've seen in a long time. And mm-hmm. so I was really excited to see how it kind of played out. And I was very satisfied with, with um, what came out. Sometimes you get a really good premise and they, they do a bad job of of um you know building a a wider movie around it but i think they took a great premise and uh and did very well with it i am very high on this movie (laughs) a couple a couple things i would highlight and jared touched on this and you just mentioned it a second ago um the the undercutting of some of the big moments here with some jokes um was was i agree with jared in that it was very frustrating but i also agree with you in that it it seemed it seemed in in stride for in the line. movie yeah, yeah. and yep. so there's a moment where with where one of the big parts of it is where he's he's playing let it be for the first time and uh there's some jokes that happen around that and i'm i'm getting so frustrated along with him uh as the character in the film uh, is is trying to get let it be out and um and can't so that was um i think uh frustrating in a good way like i was in that's how i knew i was in the movie when i was like oh yeah. someone let him play the goddamn song um yep. so there was some good stuff in there um i think the acting on the whole there's some there's some pretty good supporting cast in here uh what did you think of ed sheeran in his little role i liked him i, I thought he was i thought he was good uh, um he, he did a good job of playing off like almost a little jealous mm-hmm. in a way um but at the same time like you know in awe of what he was doing um I think the big one, the one that's caused a lot of controversy is Kate McKinnon. Yeah. She, a lot of people were um, upset by her performance and, and, you know, thought she was over the top. And I agree she was over the top. But again, I, for me, I thought that because of the world that I went into uh, seeing this movie, I thought it was fine for what it was. I thought with her being over the top and kind of crazy and out there, I, I, I thought it fit for me personally. So I wasn't mad by it. Mm Mm-hmm. I think what what McKinnon brings, she does stand out a little bit. I think she could have reeled it back a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe it's less her than it is the writing of the character. But she does a good job here of she's a manager and she really is the manifestation of like corporate greed and the money of it all. And so I think we need that character to kind of juxtapose against the kind of the purity of the Lily James character and of the Beatles music and stuff like that. So uh, you're right. It was kind of heavy handed, but I think a necessary role and uh, I just like seeing Kate McKinnon on screen. Um, she's just got one of those faces that makes me want to laugh um, whenever she's she's doing something witty. 
So, um, no, I, I, I dug this a lot. Uh, I loved the music in it. I, uh, I thought the acting was very well done, and Lily James just put it over the top for me. I, like, I came out of this movie just so, like, happy and, like, emotionally affected in a way that was positive. It just, it made my heart feel very good <laughs> when I left. Mm-hmm. So for me, I don't know about you. This is this is very borderline excellent for me. I just had such a fun time with it, and with musicals, and I, I do consider this to be a musical. Um, it's, I don't know. It's comparing this to like your top movie of the year so far as the Mustang. It's very hard to compare those two movies. So to say it's excellent uh, doesn't necessarily for me mean that it's like a prestige great film. But I just had so much fun with it that I have to give it that little elevated level. So for me, the movie yesterday. You get a fucking cookie and a star. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> I get the sense, awesome. uh, if I can put some words in your mouth, that you you enjoyed it, uh, maybe not quite as high on it as I am. Yeah, it's this one again is uh, kind of just like with you yesterday, uh, very much in the fun. I had, a, I had a ton of fun with this one. Uh, I walked out happy just as you did. But for some reason, it just didn't quite connect to me uh, emotionally at all. I just kind of, again, I, I went in... Um, with just like a, a, a an expectation of a fun, fantastical world, not taking it seriously, um, just going in, just kind of letting letting myself go with the movie, and I did, and I and I enjoyed it the way it did, and, and walked out and had fun, and and you know felt good, but it just wasn't quite like this wouldn't be in my top ten or anything like that. It's uh, you know it, it does have some. I, I, and there's not really any issues I have with it. It's just for whatever reason, it just didn't quite grab me emotionally. It just was. It was a fun movie. I'm I'm done. I don't need to see it again. It was good. Um, very fun. Firmly in the in the fun area. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> totally. We are um, we're going to recommend yesterday uh, as well as Annabelle comes home and see you yesterday. Uh, not to be confusing, but uh, three recommendations this week in our reviews. So get out. You can see Annabelle comes home and yesterday in theaters now. So check that out. Uh, see you yesterday is streaming on Netflix. So you can check that out there as well. So uh, we've been talking about it for a couple weeks. Uh, I think maybe the beginning of a turnaround for what's been so far a disappointing summer. Um, hopefully this was the start of something good. We've got some exciting stuff coming out. Um, yeah. So uh, we've got this this, this coming week, Midsummer, which is uh, Midsommar. runs the risk of being one of the great horror movies of this year. Uh, as Ooh. well as Spider-Man: Far From Home, both coming out. Both are both are in theaters now as of the release of this podcast, and uh, you can expect to hear us review those uh, next I w- week. I will also be reviewing next week a little independent film uh, called "The Last Black Man in San Francisco." Oh snap! You I'm have that playing? Exci- that's not playing in my theater. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'll be. That'll be playing at uh, my art house theater, oh, the theater. Fun. It's been getting a ton um, of buzz, so I'm really stoked to hear yeah. it. Very excited to, to go see that. Uh, I will be seeing that on Friday because I have that day off. Righteous. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to report that next week. Um, I've heard a lot of really good things about it. Uh, some people that I that I really trust reviewer-wise, reviewer one, one of them called it the best independent film they've seen in the last 10 years. And I really trust this person's opinion with movies, so I'm very excited to check it out. Wow, that's high praise. Uh, we will see if your praise is just as high next week in our reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. We hopefully we won't hate that movie. Um, we, uh, as always, with our reviews, they're going to bring us right up to the end of our show. But before we go, 
we got to leave you with one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I, uh, my, my, my stand-up comedy continues to roll on. I've talked about it on the show a couple times before. And um, in an effort to make a shameless plug, um, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna play a little clip of, uh, of, of a joke that I did this last week that I think you'll find is, is pertinent to our podcast. So um, you can see... The um, you can see a lot of the standup I do is streamed on Twitch uh, because one of the open mics, one of the open mic venues does it, uh, streams it every Thursday evening, and then uh, streams their shows as well, uh, which was the link that I posted last week uh, for my one more thing. So if you ever do want to watch some some comedy for free uh, and see me in it, uh, you can follow the link that I'll post in uh, the description box. But here here's here's just a little bit of what I did for this last week and you'll you'll learn in a second why this is this is pertinent to our show. Here we go. Ready for this shit to take a turn? Talk about talk about religion. Ooh. I, uh, I don't do this often, but I uh, Christians I, I kind of have a bone to pick with you tonight. Um, actually it's not with you, it's not with Christians, it's with Christian it's with Christian God. Um, I have some questions for Christian God. Maybe you can pass them along for me. Um, I, I with, with God because there's so much evil in the world and we're told that, that God is all good and all powerful so why should there be evil for it? Like there's war and there's famine and there's podcasts I don't understand <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why God is letting everyone in America go into their basement and breathe heavily into a shitty microphone <laughs> with their terrible tates in order to sell me quick toothbrushes <laughs> So that was that was the setup, and then I, I called back to it later on uh, in the same set. Let me see if I can figure out where that is. Yeah, here we go. Um, in closing, I will say this: um, if you guys want to listen to my podcast. <laughs> Find me after the show. I really do have. <laughs> Find me after the show for a link. And because I mentioned it, I do also have to say it. These are all, these are all the things that I think about when I lay in bed at night. And when I lay in bed at night, I do so on an incredibly comfortable Casper mattress. So that was. <laughs> That was my that podcast one. joke. I've been dying to tell forever. That one, that one guy. When you said it, he goes, "Ha ha!" <laughs> That's it's funny. That's actually a friend of mine, and the reason you can hear him so well is because he's really close to the camera. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, that was <laughs> that was really rewarding to hear him on the tape when I played it back, having a good having, having a good hook about it. <laughs> uh, oh, good stuff. So if you want to hear more of me doing stand up, uh, I'll, I'll link in the description box to the the Bend comedy page, which is is where a lot of that stuff gets posted. Um, and uh, yeah, if you happen to be in Bend, then uh, on July sixth, I have a show. I'm featuring on a show at uh, at Craft uh, Craft Craft Kitchen and Brewery uh, at eight o'clock, I think, on Saturday the sixth. So that's my that's my next show. Um, so yeah, that's the comedy thing has been fun. And uh, I like sharing it with folks, especially those who are who are not close enough to come see me live. So uh, check that out if you did, want. Uh, Otherwise, you don't have to, I guess. Did, did anyone take you off on that and ask you about it after the show? Yeah, actually, like two or three people asked me for my podcast link. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, there was a couple that was there from Canada, 
and they were doing some traveling and coming through and they were like, we've been in the car for like ever. We need more podcasts. Will you hook us up? And so I, I set them up with the link. So we got hopefully, hopefully new listeners. If Canadians, if, if you're there, if the Canadians from the, from the seven open mic on last Thursday are listening, uh, please comment. Uh, because I want to stay connected with y'all and I just think it'll be hilarious to know that you actually did come and listen to our show. So uh, if you're out there, Canadians, come on back. (laughs) They're going to see our subscriber count and be like, oh, we're not going to listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) They very well might. Just know, Canadians, if you're listening, you you probably have have incrementally increased uh, our listenership. There's a chance that you raised us by 5 or 10% just by adding the two of you. So uh, probably maybe even more than that. So anyway... That's what's going on in the world of comedy. That's my one more thing. I'm going to, as much as possible, use my one more thing to self-promote. So, <laughs> Well, I'm going to use my one more thing time here to promote uh, a probably the most beautiful piece of television that has been created in the last few months. And no, I'm not talking about Big Brother, which is in, is started. And uh, I'm going to use a slight part of my one more thing to promote previously on Big Brother. Uh, second episode just dropped on Saturday. Um, for, for those who uh, uh, paid attention to that sort of thing. Um, Big Brother's awesome. But a different show that I recently discovered. And let's just say this is probably the most fine art you can watch. <laughs> it's on ABC. It's Do you, do you remember the, the show Wipeout on ABC? Wasn't that like a goofy version of Ninja Warrior where it's like an obstacle course yeah. that they fall off of? Yeah, they jumped on the, tried to go across those balls and they'd often fall, like bounce off of them and fly into the water and stuff. Nice. Um, <laughs> so, ABC uh, was the, the the channel who did that show, and they've decided to take that show, that premise, and still kind of have that with different obstacles and things, but add in miniature golf. What? And so, this show is called Holy Moly. Oh my god! Wait, I'll, I'll say it again. Holy Moly! Yeah, that's... and it is incredible. Did you watch that? <laughs> I've watched the first two episodes, yes, and it is awesome. So it is, like I said, it's it's Wipeout with mini golf. There's miniature golf holes, and like certain, a lot of times with like the, the Wipeout portion of it, like they'll have to get through, you know, like the miniature golf games with the, the, the windmill things. Mm-hmm. Um, they have like a mini golf one of those, but they also have a human one, and if you get hit, boom, takes a, a stroke onto your, onto your score, uh, that type of thing. Um, there's also like different like walls they have to ca- crawl up or they like there's a big ramp they have to hit the ball across or whatever like all kinds of cool stuff. The crazy thing is that this has um, Steph Curry involved. He's like the the golf pro type guy who does like these weird commercials thing commercial things in there. Um, Rob Riggle is a commentator and Joe Tessitore who's like a legit commentator. What the does fuck? the the commentary? Dude, isn't that weird? These summer game shows though, dude. Like this is yeah. what they do. They get um, they got Dax Shepard on one where it's the spin the wheel. Yeah. I think it's called spin the wheel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they have a bunch of these things. And uh, yeah, Steph, I guess, is bored during the summertime. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw. I do remember seeing this commercial because I remember seeing Steph Curry on it. And it's, you're 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 I, you're not being facetious. You actually were entertained by watching this. I was. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, it's kind of because it reminds me of the same. It has the same level of just like dumb. Uh, Cause it's very dumb. Like I won't, I won't disagree. Like there's a there's a, a giant mole mascot who kind of like follows him around and stuff. Oh, and God. Uh, the holy moly! Like, yeah, exactly. And Rob Riggle is like, there's a there's a certain hole that that's on there where um, if you 
you have to hit a ball and get close to like this target. Whoever's closer can have either Steph Curry or Rob Riggle in a robot, like this robot thing, hit a ball over to the next course so they can actually get into the hole type of thing. So like just like weird little gimmicks like that. And there's always, it starts off, I think, with 12 golf. So there's 12 mini golfers. All of them are really weird and strange, but they don't show every single uh, hole. But then it like eliminates down to one final one. And like the first one that that was on I watched was like this chick was just like so like nervous and was like crying and and she came from behind and won and it was like kind of it was kind of intense. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, if you're just looking for something dumb to watch, uh, I would recommend checking out Holy Moly because it is kind of funny. Like the, there's some funny things that happen just like in Wipeout and stuff. And like Rob Riggle's actually a funny guy, so he, he cracks some good stuff and and all that. I enjoyed it. I think it's fun. This is, oh man, that, you know what? I no shame. Like if that's entertaining, great. Maybe I'll check it out. But talk about everyone in this is slumming it hard. <laughs> you know, Rob Riggle's doing this instead of movies. Steph Curry's doing this instead of ball. And Joe Testor is doing this instead of the football national championship. You're doing this instead of watching prestige television drama. Like <laughs> everyone involved is just trying to have some fun over the summer, which I guess is pretty much what summer TV is all about. Exactly. Oh my god! Plus, like hearing hearing Joe Tessitore uh, commentate mini golf is pretty awesome. Like he could commentate anything. He could commentate me taking a poop, and I'd be like, you know what, good job, man. But he's he's good. Like he has the perfect voice for it. And also, like his voice does not match what you think he looks like. Oh no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, Tessitore but, is. Uh, but I gotta say, holy moly, you, man. you said I got something for one more thing, and I said, what is it? And you said, it's just it's something. And I, I said, oh, who, who is going to be a crazy video or a story about exploding spiders or something? Nope, just uh, just holy moly. <laughs> yeah, because I knew if I would have told you that beforehand, you'd been like, oh, you're not fucking talking about that. It's dumb, dude. Yeah, that's exactly. That's, that's how I sound. The uh... All the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know, this isn't fair because you do the editing. I can't make fucking sounds that you've sounded dumb. Oh, I'll tell you what. I'll let you do all the editing if you want. <laughs> no thanks. Ah oh, man, are you sure? I'm I'm over here creating content. I don't need <laughs> I don't need to edit. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm just I think you I think I I want you to edit. Give me what I want. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, I'll edit it. there you go. The uh. What was I? I wonder what I was talking about. It was. It's so out of context. It's like it's like half of you're finishing a word. That beginning part is you finishing some other word. Um, it was a, it was a total happy accident uh, that I got that one. But whew, lots of good stuff going on. Um, what do we got here? Uh, Stand up comedy and uh, holy moly. And I guess if I went on there, it'd be holy coley, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. You'll love that one. This week and one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. <laughs> the, uh, That's growing on me. <laughs> I hate that. That's awesome. <laughs> I hate that. That's awesome. Uh, that's what critics are saying about the SoCo show. Um, <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> well, that uh that's going to bring us to the end of episode 101 of the Soco show. Hey, don't forget uh go out there and like us on Facebook. 
uh, facebook.com slash soco show pod which is the same as our, our twitter handle uh soco show pod as well at soco show pod that is uh seth runs the twitter and i run the facebook so if you're commenting on either of those uh, you can speak to either of us directly. Uh, if you'd rather tweet at us directly, it's at underscore Cody Michael and at Seth O. Ott. So lots of ways to get hold of us. Uh, of course, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, I will link to that in the description box as well. Uh, you're going to want to be out there for new episodes of uh, previously on Big Brother and the upcoming Cody Describes a Horror Movie, which is going to premiere with my description of Annabelle Comes Home. So look forward to all of that stuff. Um, and yeah, keep following us. Uh, keep us, uh, hit your notifications wherever it is you get the podcasts so that you get, uh, you get up to the, up to the minute uh, SoCo updates. We've also got the SoCo sketch show coming up very soon. And um, lots of good stuff happening over here at the, uh, at the, uh, the SoCo, SoCo studios, um, which are, I guess there's, one of them is your closet and one of them is my spare bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, breaking news, Jared just posted his top 10 uh, movie, vi- movies so far for 2019 uh, video on YouTube. Oh, shit. Make sure you hit that up. At Jared Buckendall. On the YouTubes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, once we finish recording this, going to go watch that myself. Uh, we'll see if, he's, see if he's raised Alita Battle Angel on his list since our conversation last week. I suspect he has. I love you. I love you. Oh, my God. Well, that, of course, uh, is going to do it for episode 101. Uh, Make sure you're back on your podcast feed. In two days from now, Saturday will be the week two recap of previously on Big Brother with Seth and much more great stuff to come. Uh, But otherwise, come on back in seven days for episode 102. Uh, For the Soho Seth Ott, I've been the co-host, Cody Michael, and we will see you next week. Bye. <laughs> the uh